today on All Clear, the accidental firefighter, how perseverance and attitude plays into our success in the fire service. You are listening to All Clear, Firefighter Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm Travis. Eric, how you doing, my man? I think we're doing okay. We've we've had some technical difficulties that are been a little frustrating, but on both ends. But I think we are well. We are both here. It is a new day, and that is a good thing. So. And uh, you know, for just for a little bit of behind the curtain, Eric's laptop decided to go belly up last <laughs> week, and we've been trying to get him converted to Mac. But you know, it'll be okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So, Eric, what you got going on? Ah. Well, there's a lot going on, but today, you know, I, I'd like to just ask you some questions today, you know, do a little interview with you talking about our story, talk about some persistence, how it can be affected by our, our attitude. And if you, if, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. My story is very boring. But if one thing I'm persistent, I don't know if it's because I'm hard headed or I'm just gifted with persistence, but you know, it, it does go a long way into how I got to where I am now. So yeah, fire away. If you've got questions, I'll do my best to answer them. Cool, man. So first question, you know, tell us what you're doing now with the Concord Fire Department. What, what is well, your job? Well, professionally, I am Deputy Fire Marshal of New Construction. That's a fancy way of saying that I work on the unsexy side of firefighting right now. I review plans, do fire inspections, um, but at the same time, I am also an investigator and we investigate fires. So, I mean, it, it's a widespread, but I work as an investigator, plan reviewer, you know, handling a lot of communications with other departments, just trying to keep, trying to keep a fast growing city moving ahead. So it, it's a little different, but that that's what I do professionally. Well, that's pretty cool. Is, has this been something you've always wanted to do? No, I didn't know I wanted to do it. I didn't figure that out until you know, if you told me when I was in high school, they always had the the counselors going around, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to college? What are you doing? And I never went to college. I had a totally different plan, but my plan kind of fell apart somewhere about two or three years after graduation, not in a bad way, but everything that I thought would work out for me wound up not. And I wound up volunteering, working as a minister full-time for about nine years, which I've learned a lot doing that. But at the same time, you know, I've worked a lot of different things. I've been my own business owner for a while. So I did a lot of things like that. And I wound up getting a contract at social services here in our county working as an interpreter. And through that, I had the chance to meet some really cool people at the city of Concord, which I did not know the ones I was talking with also were directly linked to the emergency communications department over time people that I met early in my career before I was even in the fire service wound up being people that I'm working with and have been instrumental in helping me be successful now, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. So kind of a, kind of a broad spectrum of a background Yeah, in a, in a weird path getting into the field that you're in right now. So what, what was your motivation to get into, into your profession that you're, that you're currently doing? It was survival. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but if you're an old guy like me, and I'm not calling you old, Eric, but I know you remember it too. I'm older back than you. In, <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's true. But back in 07, 
08, back when the economy took a turn and basically everything flushed out. I was working in planning and zoning. Our director came by and said, you have to justify your existence. If you can't justify why you're here, you may not have a job. So I, at that time, I was working as a permit technician in the planning and zoning department. And I had made friends with, you know, the fire marshals department. They were right across the hall. And I got to know a couple of those guys and they were really awesome. And I had some interest in what they were doing. And whenever things got really bad economically, as it did across the country, I had to reinvent myself. And I found I had an interest, a passion, and an ability to be able to understand the codes and how the fire service works. And I sat down with uh, Chief Mark Brown, uh, who was fire marshal at the time, dear friend of mine. Um, and he kind of helped me figure out a career path for what I had to do to be able to make the jump from basically planning and zoning into the world of fire. And bear in mind, I had, I have never ridden a truck, didn't know anything, no rookie school, no nothing. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to work part-time. You're going to have to do your training. You're going to have to do your, you know, get your EMT, get your firefighter one and two hazmat. And, and when I looked at this long list of certifications that I had to have to be minimally qualified to come in, even into the fire marshal's office, it was very daunting. And I had to get really creative really quick. And bear in mind, I was 30, well, 30-ish years old, and I was old and decrepit at that point, not in great physical shape. And yeah, that, that's where my journey began. And it was, that's where the persistence had to kick in. And I did a lot of stuff. Oh, and my wife was pregnant too. I forgot to mention that mm. I was uh, having a child at the same time. So a lot of stuff really stacked up really fast, but the guys in the fire prevention division helped me realize what I needed to do. And they motivated me to keep going. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's a lot of stuff on on the plate right there to bring in and it can look very intimidating. You know, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. Like you were saying, you know, survival, you know, what have I got to do to support my family? You know, put food mm -hmm. on the table, you know, things like that. Picking a career, a new career field and having that, that ambition and that drive and that motivation to keep you going, especially with something that, you know, like you said, you really didn't, you chose this profession out of pure survival as where a lot of people in the fire service that are riding the rigs and stuff, it's been a passion for a long time. That it's something they've always wanted to do. And now they finally have the opportunity to do it. How did the people around you, support you to keep you motivated, keep that positive attitude that, yes, I can achieve these goals that seem very overwhelming for me right now? Well, it, at the time, I was kind of living in two worlds. I was still working in planning part-time, and I was working for the fire department as an inspector part-time. And that was really hard because the planning world didn't understand what I was trying to do. They thought, they thought, oh, well, you're just going to take in classes. Well, no, it's not just taking classes. It's, you know, nights and weekends and, you know, picking up classes through the community college system and things like that. But what really helped me was at the time, Chief Brown, who's retired now, he's with Roe and Cabarrus Community College. He works for Michael Cavanis, who we talked to a while back. Yeah. And, and Chief Adam Ryerson 
who is my, who is the fire marshal now, they both uh, said, okay, we'll figure this out. And they helped me understand that it can be overwhelming, but let's get a plan together. And the plan was basically two, two pronged. And my passion for the job developed very quickly. And that's one thing that's important to know. If you don't have passion for this line of work, you will not do it, whether it be on the truck or investigation, whatever the case is, if you don't have passion, you won't stick with it. And I identified that there was an academic component, which was the associate degree program. And then there was also the certification component, which is firefighter one and two, the, the hazmat, the different things like that. Yeah. So, so what I had to do was, is, you know, I'd never went to college and I had a supervisor one time tell me that I was worthless without, not in the fire service, but I was basically worthless without a degree. Which How, how'd that, that make you feel? That was pretty crushing. That was pretty crushing. Now, yeah. bear in mind, I'm married and, you know, I've had a, I've always been able to care for myself and it's not, I've never wanted for anything. Right. I've never been a rich, rich man, but the minute that was told to me literally within what I guess would have been the community college quarter at the time I was enrolled in the fire program at coastal Carolina community college. Shout out to Ed Duffield out there. Great guy. And right down the road they, from my house. That's it. And there were literally only, I think three programs at the time that offered it remotely, which is what I had to do. I couldn't quit my job to go to class. So I started doing the classes and I would call chief Brown. It's like, all right, explain to me what flashover is explained. I know that seems very simplistic. And now, you know, what 15, 13, 14, 15 years later, I, I, I got it. I understand every bit of that now, but when I came into it, it's like, what the heck am I getting into? Yeah. But after, after I started building the stuff with the academic side, and then by me participating through the rookie schools at Concord and the county and through the community college system, as I started piecing everything together over a couple of years, the picture became complete. And then I understood what I needed to do professionally. But at the same time, I'm, I'm learning how to do fire inspections, what it means to have a job that has family connections as opposed to something that's not having family connections. You know, the fire service, the guys I work with in fire prevention, I spend as much time with them sometimes as I do my own, my own family and coming from any other sector of the world. I assume because I've never been in the military, I've never been a police officer. I'm sure they have a very similar thing, but when you come into the world of first responders, you're starting to see a different culture. And I had to, learn to fit into that culture when I wasn't necessarily accepted immediately. And and it's still a challenge up to this day. I still have to, I feel like I have to prove myself that, yeah, no, I, I, I know I don't need to know how to vent a roof, but I need to be able to, you know, hold my own as far as in conversations, understand what everyone goes through. And, and I'm still learning that process, but you know, it's something that's ongoing. I'll never forget. I was at, I was at our main station one day and this was years ago and I was in the bathroom. I was washing my hands and there was this old captain in there combing his hair. He's like, yeah, who are you? Why are you here? (laughs) You know, asking this question. Now I've come to be great friends with him. He's retired now, but you know, it was one of those things where that it kind of hit me at that moment. I'm going to have to let people know who I am. 
And so I, I still try to do that. Now that I've been here long enough, I've got to know a lot of people through investigations and classes and working with them and things like that. And, and you know, now people actually do come and ask questions and, hey, what are they building over here? What does the fire code say about so-and-so? So, you know, over time, the support from the guys immediately there in fire prevention helped me stay motivated to, to go the course. And, you know, even I have friends that were in, in, in the Marine Corps as drill sergeants that came and yelled at me to get me in physical shape so that I could pass our jar pat and different things like that. So a lot went into that, but it was because of the support of, you know, the leadership in fire prevention and also even our chiefs, you know, uh, Chief Holloway, Chief Allen, and even Jake Williams now, our chief, they are all very supportive of our progress. And, and on a personal level, I've felt that. So you have to stay motivated, but you also have to have a plan and you have to stay plugged in. Yeah, absolutely, man. You you brushed on the, we brushed a, across the um, not having a degree and we, when we talked to Michael Cavanis, we talked about higher education and we talked about continuing education, certification, stuff like that. I think that needs to be a separate podcast that we do by itself, talking about higher education, where it fits into the the career plan, the career ladder advancement and stuff like that. So I could talk on that for a very long time. So i I'm glad that you mentioned it. I wrote a note down that we need to we need to revisit that at some point, I, I believe. But you also mentioned the the fitting in, you know, where where you fit in and how you make yourself be able to to maybe feel accepted around the firehouse with your profession that you don't ride a fire truck. You've never ridden a fire truck. And do I really belong with these guys? Yes, you do. Your, your job is vital, you know, not just to the community safety, but for, for our safety as well. And being able to build that bond of, you mentioned the guys asking questions about, Hey, you know, what are they building over there? What, what is this place going to be? Whatever else. That's a perfect in, you know, where we can build those relationships and we can build those bonds of, Hey guys, I just got some plans, you know, that came across my desk and this is going to be in your first due. You want to, you want to go take a look at these plans with me. You want to go do a walk through the building, you know, whatever else. Or if you're out doing fire inspections and you notice something that might be vitally important to the guys that are responding to that particular occupancy of, Hey, this is what I saw today. You and I have had some sidebar discussions before about that those very topics of, you know, feeling accepted, feeling, you know, that you fit in around the firehouses and stuff. And I saw it firsthand. Our group was invited up there to, to assist you guys after, after that incident. And we were very thankful for that opportunity. And I know we had had that conversation beforehand. And I saw that night that those guys really appreciate what you do. They consider you part of the fire family, even though you, you're not on the suppression side, not on the operational side of things. You do have an integral part and they do value and appreciate you as, as not just what you do as a profession, but you as a, as an individual. Well, you know, and, and what you're talking about, that was one of the, the, 
hot, the one of the strongest feelings I've ever had in my career that my brothers in the fire service were rallying around me because I that was that was a rough experience for me personally, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point later on. But yeah. you know, going up into that. And, and going back to what you were saying, there's a program that we have here in Concord. It's Journey Through Administration. So basically, whenever anyone's getting ready to promote to captain or they are a captain, they have to spend time with logistics, fire prevention. You know, they, they spend time with the different, I guess, the non-suppression side of the house to understand what we do. And I, I have the privilege of, you know, doing the the plan review side with a lot of captains. And some of them are like, huh, what what, what do you do? And then you like, come on, let's go out in the field. And I remember I took, we have a production facility here in Concord and, you know, I've been working with that project since it started. And I took one of the captains over there. It was in their first do area. And I said, let's go through. Have you ever been here? No. And we went through and when they saw the magnitude of what was happening, literally a quarter mile from their station, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And. And then they're like, this is here. I was like, yeah, let, let, let's go talk to, let's go talk to the plant manager. And, you know, we went and got a chance to, to really kind of see behind the scenes how it worked. And, and as soon as they saw that, they're like, you, you see this stuff? Yeah. No, this is what I see every day. And, and they've called me multiple times. I've had lots of captains after they've gone in the field with, with me and my staff over in, you know, new construction, they're like, okay, I need to know about this. What can you tell me about this project, that project? And it's really, you know, there's been a big link over with that, but it's just earning trust. That, right. That's the, that's the whole thing. If you don't trust me, then, you know, you're not going to listen to what I say. And I take my reputation very seriously in the fire service. Um, I want people to trust me and, and that's anybody. Um, if you're trying to get into this career, um, you got to earn trust. You got to, you know, you, you've got to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to let people know that you don't know everything or heck have, let them know you don't know anything. Hey chief, what's a flashover? You right. know, that, that's, that's a very simple question, but years ago I didn't know. And it's okay to not know something. And, you know, a lot of times, and I've seen this when I was doing my training, it was weird because I had some understanding, but I was going into, you know, some of the, you know, the basic classes like, you know, building construction where I have an, I had an advanced understanding of building construction and other people in the class who were rookies with the county did not, but they try to act like they know everything. And you, if you don't know it, you don't know it. It's okay to ask questions. And that's something yeah. that a lot of people don't, they, they want to walk in. Hey, I know how to do this. I'm the man. At some point, you're not the man. <laughs> you yeah. have to learn how to be the man, and, and that's that's the whole thing. Earn, you know, build your reputation, and part of the way you do that is by showing your your weakness and your failure at times of understanding stuff. Because we all have to learn how to do what we do. Do you have an idea that you can't quite get out of your head and onto paper? Does your department need updated shirts? If so, you need to talk to the guys over at Studio Print Shop. We've been working with the guys at Studio on making some of our ideas become reality. Whether you need screen printing, embroidery, or graphic design, they have you covered. They're even working with the latest direct-to-garment printing technology to make your ideas come true. 
check out their link on our website or go to studioprintshop.com and get 10% off your first order when you use the discount code ALLCLEAR. Studio Print Shop, creativity fueled by passion and vision. Yeah, you know, that vulnerability of, you know, it is showing vulnerability to admit that you don't know the answer to something or, you know, you don't necessarily know a a specific process uh, of how it's going to work. And if you're not being honest with other people, you're not going to be able to build that, that trust, that confidence in people. People are not going to put that trust in you. So the vulnerability aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I don't necessarily know. One thing really popped into my head when you were mentioning the the facility that you brought that captain to that he had no idea that was happening in his in his first two area. A lot of people might think what your job is 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 easy, it's not as hard as what we do on the on the fire trucks or whatever else, and we're not going to con- try to compare apples to apples or apples to oranges on who is better or whatever else. But what you do makes our job easier. You know, we, we, we think about, you know, just like, you know, standpipes, sprinklers, where FDC connections are, where hydrant locations are going to be, you know, I'm sure you have a, you have a say in plan reviews and things like that on this is what we need. And you make sure that that's happening. And when we go to a fire, we just expect that stuff to be there. We don't see the behind the scenes before that fire happens or before that building was even built to make sure that we are set up for success when we roll up and that building's on fire. Well, part, part of what I do, and, and this is one of, one of the things I preach. and, And this was taught to me earlier on, when I look at a set of plans, whenever I do an inspection, my number one concern isn't public safety. I know that sounds really weird. It's the safety of firefighters, the safety of the ones that are going to be responding. My job is to give as many options as I can. Where can you put the truck? Where can I pull lines from? How close are the hydrants? The code dictates a lot of that, but I also have to take into consideration our capabilities and what is the safest approach to my knowledge, you know, for, for the guys going in and, you know, absolutely public safety is very important, but at the same time, if I'm not protecting the guys on our, on the suppression side that go in, I'm not doing my job. And that is the most important thing. And, and once you help people understand, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you have all the options you can when you have to go fight that fire, which we hope never happens, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll have another, another tactic you can use that you weren't planning before. Right. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Behind the scenes stuff that that you do, a lot of people don't, they don't understand it. I saw that firsthand. You know, it'll be something that I learned from, you know, how to deal with the stress that comes out of that. Or, you know, I've had fatality fires before too, that I've dealt with. And, you know, you, you, learn to carry this with you, but you have to learn to not let it consume you. And that's one of the things that nobody's ever prepared for when they come into this profession. And, you know, it's one thing when you're doing planning and you're issuing permits for, you know, pergolas in somebody's backyard, that that's one thing. But when you start dealing with lives, 
worrying about the lives of those you work with, trying to make sure your decisions impact them in a positive way. It, it's a whole different thing. And when you see people at their worst constantly and you have to deal with that, it's a lot to carry. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, if, if I can give any advice to anybody that's maybe listening to this podcast and thinking about coming into the fire service, even if your dad was a firefighter or your brother or your sister, whatever the case is, and you've had it in your family, that that's awesome. But when you come into this and you go to rookie school or you start any type of learning with the fire department, the two things you need to take care of, number one, your body, make sure you're physically fit because you can't make that up whenever you get into that position. You need to be healthy. You need to be fit before you start training. And number two is your mind. You have to take care of your mind. You have to make sure that it's sharp because if your brain don't work, your body ain't going to work. You're not going to be able to learn about standpipes and, you know, it, it all kind of falls apart from there and everything you put together, you can make up learning stuff. You can, you can study to learn. You can't study to make your body stronger and you cannot study to make your mental health stronger. Those are two things you have to be confident in yourself and confident in your physical abilities when you come into this. And, you know, at the point I am in my career now, many years later, the physical part has become less of an issue for me because I don't ride the truck. I don't have to vent roofs. I don't have to, I mean, I know how to do it, but I don't have to do it. Right. But, but I still have to continue learning and training and I'm still figuring out the mental health aspect of it too, as I think we all are. And uh, you know, that, that if there's a takeaway from all of this is the fact you have to prep your body, you have to prep your mind to be able to do this. And uh, there, there's a lot, a lot to that, but that's the biggest takeaway that I can give anybody. And we, we harp on that continuously, you know, the, yeah. That's one reason why we started this podcast, you know, to bring that awareness, to let people know that it's okay to not be okay, and hopefully open some eyes to to some people that have been in the in the service for a while that this is real. You can't try to hide it. You can't try to bury it. The numbers are astronomical, and you mm-hmm. you cannot dispute that. And for the new guys coming in, the the job is not all rainbows and unicorns, and it it kind of pains me to say it, but it is it is not the old school fire department that I was brought into thirty something years ago. Things do change. You got to take care of yourself, body and mind, yep. and we will we will beat that horse until I I've, I've got nothing left in me because it it definitely hits very close to home for me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of insulted. You haven't asked about the Cancer Alliance up to this point either. I you was just getting that. ready to to turn a corner here. Okay. Um, just making sure. And, you know, the First Responder Peer Support Network is partnered up with the North Carolina Firefighter Cancer Alliance. This was your brainchild idea of getting this podcast put together, you know, through our partnership of what we've done between our two organizations. And it, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the question about the, the Cancer Alliance, where it came from, and how that helps you identify in the fire department. 
Well, you know, I've, I've been, before the fire service, I'd worked with Live Strong and several other organizations that were cancer-based organizations. And as I came into the fire service and I started learning, cancer was not cool. You know, basically nobody talked about it. It was one of those things that you would read an article about, but, you know, the chiefs and captains and, and leadership at the time, they, they had no time to talk about that. And I, I realized that a conversation needed to be had and I enjoy researching and learning. That's, I guess, the nerdy side of me. And I started seeing that this is something that was coming that had to be dealt with. And that there are resources around us. How do you clean gear? How do you reduce exposures? But the thing was, nobody was putting it together, or at least nobody here locally in North Carolina at the time. There were We had people in our department that were very good at knowing how to decon gear. There were guys that were very good at knowing how to protect yourself when you're in there from a respiratory standpoint. It was just a matter of putting everything together at the same time. That's all it came down to. That's pretty awesome. How you, you mentioned that you worked with other cancer organizations. Was that something that was just an interest to you or is that something that you had a, a personal connection through a family member, you know, going through cancer or a cancer scare somewhere in your life that had you interested in working with these other organizations or was it just out of the kindness of your heart that wanting to help people? I did it because I saw a need. You know, there there are a lot of great cancer organizations out there, but a lot of the time we have to look at what the need is versus what's available. And North Carolina had a need, and we started focusing on our own here in North Carolina, utilizing the resources that are here. And, you know, one day sitting at Midwinter Chiefs Conference, I was sitting uh, at the bar eating lunch with uh, another firefighter that was at Greensboro at the time. It's like, why don't we just do something here in North Carolina? And out of that conversation and meeting a lot of really cool people and very supportive people and very smart people, we've been able to get to where we are now. You know, we have been recognized nationally for our decontamination program, the Concord Decon model that was put together by guys here in Concord. And all we had to do was just say, hey, have you talked to so-and-so about how to do this? And Mm -hmm. then next thing you know, it all starts falling into place. And it, it's not that any one person has a lot of knowledge. It's just putting the pieces together to make it happen. And North Carolina needed to do that. And now I know we've got some changes that have come down the road from a leadership perspective, you know, on the state level as to how our cancer programs are going to be managed and things like that. But at the end of the day, we are con- the state of North Carolina as looked at as a leader in cancer prevention in the fire service. And I think a lot of that comes through work that, you know, the wonderful guys I work with at the Cancer Alliance have done, you know, folks at NC State University and their textile labs. And there's so many people that, you know, now that we're talking to each other, great things are happening. Software is happening that you can track your, your health and wellness, you know, screenings are happening. I mean, there's a ton of things that have come out of just having conversations with people. And, and, and we just recognized the need to have a conversation. It wasn't about, you know, any one person knowing something special. It was just, Hey, you know, have you talked to, have you talked to Josh about how to do that? No, I haven't. Okay. We'll talk to him about what you're doing. And next thing you know, they have great ideas coming. Yeah. 
you know, that power of connection, you know, and it's the ripple effect, you know, just having one conversation with somebody and then somebody takes that and passes it off to somebody else. And next thing you know, you, you might be at a fire scene or you might be teaching a class somewhere and you bring up the, the Concord decon model and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, we, we utilize that, you yeah. know, or, you know, Oh, I'd like to know more about it. And then they start, they start utilizing it. And, you know, it's going to be that ripple effect and, you know, the snowball, you know, start off small, gets bigger, you know, that power connection and networking is a, is an amazing thing. Kind of how you and I got started with everything. Yeah. If you hadn't moderated the class that I was teaching on leadership and had I not had COVID and you had not, you know, moderated the class while I did it remotely, we never would have had conversations about mental health and the the role that they play, you know, yeah. in recovery and leadership and things like that. And, and wow, now, we got a, pod- got a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Look where we are now. We are partnered up between the two organizations. We're helping you guys there at, at Concord. You know, you've got me in touch with, with Brad and we're doing good things there. You know, Matt Sellers, you know, the, the whole shebang. And now we're, We've got a podcast. (laughs) And by the way, if anybody that I've mentioned your name at Concord is listening to this podcast, let me know. Because I always walk by my chief and I'm like, hey, I mentioned your name on the podcast. What were you talking about? You'll have to listen to find out. You'll have to listen to find out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I'm having fun. And like I said, I've been blessed to have a wonderful family that has been supportive through this process. My son has grown basically the 12 years of his life. I've been in the fire service Yeah, to him. And yes, I still have people that tell me you're not a firefighter. Um, I struggle with that identity sometimes not having come from the truck, but I promise you, I have the best interest of every firefighter in the state of North Carolina in my mind when we make decisions, you know, whether it be design related professionally or even at the cancer Alliance or podcasts, whatever it, it's to move the ball forward. That's all it, it comes down to. It's that motivation, you know, and I, I think that's how we'll end things today is, is talking a little bit about that motivation, you know, having that strong support system of people that believe in what you're doing, they're going to support you in doing that, not, not give you any bad advice or say, oh man, you need to go choose a different career field. People that are going to stand there beside you, not necessarily behind you or in front of you, but right there beside you and walk through this journey with you, no matter what it is. And having that mindset of I want to keep going and I want to keep going for the right reasons. And it's not necessarily for you, but it's for the other people. You know, you mentioned, you know, one of your top priorities when you look over plan reviews and things like that is the firefighters. You know, that's a huge motivation that you know that you're, you have the, the chance we had a sign that hung above our our door in the fire station bay leading from downstairs to the upstairs and it said every call is a chance to change somebody's life yeah and that's a little motivation every single day you walk in you look at that sign and say hey even though i might not be having the best day guess what i'm doing the right thing i'm doing it for the right reason you know first responders peer support network on our our social media site you know Every Monday I do a a motivational Monday. Just give that little boost of confidence to somebody that, you know, maybe that's what they need that day. They need that little kick of, of hope or inspiration to keep them motivated and on the right track. 
and on our job, that's extremely important. You know, I, I use an old saying that I heard a long time ago. You can never train too much for a job that can potentially kill you. If there's yeah. no other motivation that you need to know that you better be good at what you do in this profession, that's it. You know, because the reality is it could be your life. It could be your partner's life. It could be somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. If we're not staying motivated and we're not staying up on today's topics, training, physical fitness, mental health, and we've got to have that motivation to, to keep on going every single day. Yep. The, and I, and I have this thing I, I talk about sometimes when I talk about education, I have a program that I give and I talk about, you know, what are the consequences of failure to learn for a firefighter? It, you can make the situation worse. You can lose your life. You can hurt someone else. You don't want any of those things to happen. So you have to be motivated to keep moving forward. I don't know any firefighter that does it for the money. It's for other reasons, typically personal reasons. So, yeah, you are very right in that. And yeah. uh, I, pre I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. But can I ask you a question? Sure. Let's hear it. Smile. You ready for the question? Why, why did why did the monkey fall out of the tree? Oh, my God. There it is. You knew it was coming. Why did the monkey fall out of the tree? It was uh, dead. Oh, my God. You can thank Brad for that one. Uh, I'm, I am supposed to talk to Brad today, so I will give him you, a, a virtual smack in the back of the head through the phone. And if uh, you guys don't know who Brad Hunt is, horrible. Yeah, if you guys don't know who Brad Hunt is, he is one of the most awesome humans on the planet, and we're going to have him on here one day. And Brad, if you're listening to this podcast, yes, I mentioned your name. You'll have to figure out why. But anyway, so I, one other th piece of business I wanted to bring up about the podcast real quick. You know, we always talk about Radus. You know, if you like what you hear, you know, give us five stars. Well, I've got a new challenge for our, our listeners. If you like what you're hearing, tell somebody to listen to it. Absolutely. Tell Share this with uh, other firefighters. Heck, if you're not even a firefighter and you're thinking about it, we can we can help you. The other challenge that I'm putting out, you know, our, our episodes tend to be about 30 to 45 minutes every two weeks. Why not with your company? sit down and listen to a podcast during, um, you know, don't watch judge Judy one afternoon that you're on duty and listen to a podcast, you know, listen to it on tailboard, use it for training. You know, there's some good stuff in here, not necessarily for me and Eric all the time, but we have a lot of smart people that, that are coming and have come. Yeah. And I encourage you to use this as a, as a training tool as well. So yeah. anyway, I, I appreciate all of, all of the people that are listening and trying to oh, yeah. promote us, please, if you haven't already, check us out on, on Facebook, All Clear Podcast. And allclearpodcast.com. Yeah. We got that and we, flow. We, make the, we make the posts of when new episodes are dropping and things like that. We have, we have some followers that are, that are sharing those links when we put them up. So please help us continue with our mission of, of bringing the, the awareness of, of health and wellness to our firefighters out there. So. Absolutely. And, and another unexpected venue is LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Travis McGaha. If you look us up, we always post about when we got a new episode dropping. So if you're one of our LinkedIn connected folks, thank you. Please share our posts. Let people know enough about self-promotion. Eric, yeah. we'll, we'll talk soon. Travis, I, I appreciate it. It was a good conversation today. No worries. Um, and I'll look forward to our, our next session, brother. Oh, no worries. All right. Until next time.
light your fire within. You have been listening to All Clear. All Clear is presented by the North Carolina Firefighter Cancer Alliance and the First Responders Peer Support Network. This program is hosted and produced by Travis McGaha and Eric Stevenson. Visit our website, allclearpodcast.com, where you can contact us and leave feedback. If you like what you hear, please share this podcast with someone. The opinions of guests do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast. This podcast is recorded with Descript and with technology that is provided by Quartet Computers. We'll see you soon, and as always, light your fire within.